Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to the Let's Get Real program tonight with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. And our special guest, Dr. Jacob Friedman, all the way from Mercy Stroll, bright and early. Boker Tov, thank you for coming. Um, again, tonight is sheer 115. Dr. Friedman has been in once before, but we're holding by 115 now. Ken Yerbu, and um, we have a lot to discuss tonight, so let's, uh, let's, let's get through our formalities over here. Um, again, anybody who's joining us, we always like to start with thanking everybody for coming every week and for promoting it and telling people about it and, and posting on your uh, WhatsApp statuses and telling family, friends. And uh, it's really grown tremendously, all naturally, from people telling each other. So we appreciate that. As we call it a sikhis chavirim, to really clarify issues and really grow together. So thank you for that. And again, if anybody wants to join, get every Sunday the flyer from me directly. You can WhatsApp me personally at 848-525-0066. Again, that's 848-525-0066. You can go to menachembernfeld.com. You can sign up on his website to get the emails of who's coming on. He sends out the recordings. <clears throat> And then if anybody's watching this later on YouTube, you can click on the like button, the subscribe button, so we're not going to upload this year. You could um, watch it live when it comes out, and uh, it could be behind everybody. Always start off thanking the advertising sponsors for promoting us on all the advertising channels. First, thank you to, Ra to the Liquid Scoop here on Lakewood for promoting us on the Liquid Scoop. Robbie and Yanif from Kazakh from Kazakh.org. Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central for promoting us over there. And special thank you to Kyla Kaufman and Shmuelson from JCN, Jewish, the Jewish Content Network. For always promoting us across all the digital platforms. I remember, Dr. Jake, when you came on last time, I was very high at fever and I was reading very quickly. I'm going to try to go super slow now because I remember last time you said, wow, that was quick. Again, for anybody who's here the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 on this Zoom ID, we have different topics, different shiurim, different rabbonim, different therapists, and we have we have everybody. So I uh, really appreciate it. And Dr. Jacob is the biggest. We appreciate agreeing to come back again. Um, next Sunday, we're going to have September 11th. It's funny because I think last time worked out the same way also, both from the Bishwaka magazine, like the Jacob Friedman, next week is Yosef and Shushan, and then Erev Rosh Hashanah, the Sunday before Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah Sunday night, so not that Sunday night, the Sunday before, we're going to have Uri Deutsch, world famous over here from in Lakewood, Big Big Gudel, so he's going to be coming on giving us our uh, Rosh Hashanah motivation. The next week, uh, it's Rabbi Yosef and Shushan, he's a motivational speaker, a teacher, he works with, he works with a lot of teenagers in Cleveland, he also writes in the Bishwaka magazine. The title of the show next week is called A Call to Action, Why We Desperately Need to Change Ourselves and Our Clinical Approach to Today's Children. should be a powerful uh, conversation, so please join next week um, with everybody. Tonight's show, we have the host and the honor of having world-famous psychotherapist, Mark Yisrael, Shpaka Ma Ma Magazine columnist, titled Off the Couch. He's right now on the couch, but soon he's going to get off the couch because, you know, that's his title. And let's show me Machazek tonight. We have a very deep topic to talk about. I'm going to help thousands of people. We got a lot of emails. Maybe after you open up, Dr. Friedman, somebody sent me an email. I just want to read that email. It's more of a comment. And then we'll, before we go into questions, somebody sent me a very, a very powerful email I would like to read. Tonight's share is share 115. And Shreya Fta'erna, for coming up with the Gematria. We'll do Gematria now with every share. It's the Gematria. Love without borders. So hopefully that is. Yeah, you like that, huh? Hopefully that's going to tie in nicely with what we're trying to accomplish and understand it tonight. And uh, we're going to open up with Coach Menachem Berenfeld. It's supposed to have Coach Menachem with us this week. Please open it up. Yes, I want to welcome everyone. Number, number 115, Baruch Hashem. 
And like Usher mentioned that, you know, we're here every Sunday nights and not always do we know what's going on behind the scenes. Last, last time Usher, you had some fever, but you're still here. Whether we have fever or chasanas, Sunday night is Sunday night. And Baruch Hashem, we're here. And it's a big first to have with us again, Dr. Friedman, which uh, it's just amazing if anybody knows what he does, Baruch Hashem, for Inet Yisrael and for Klal Yisrael. There's so much, and Hashem should give him koyach. He should be able to be mamshach. And tonight's topic, how to support families in mental health crisis. So how to support families is really like the next step. Mental crisis itself is such a big topic. And um, Baruch Hashem, we've seen a lot of progress, you know, whether it's with this program, with many programs out there, to be able to talk about it, to bring it out, put it on the table, and understand that there is what you can do. You don't have to be in the dark. And the Baruch Hashem, I've seen a lot of progress. I believe in, with the medication also, which we'll hear probably a little bit more from the doctor, compared to 20 years ago and today, there's a lot, a lot of improvements. So maybe when we grew up, you know, people were scared and the side effects, but today to, if that should hold you back, you know, you have to speak again to somebody who knows what's going on so that they can guide you. Because yeah, it is a sensitive topic. And again, every family is different. And even with all the improvements, even with all of Hashem, where we are today's days, there are still people that are sitting in the dark. You'll be surprised whether they, it's hard for them to admit what's going on and they try to push it off, you know, as much as possible. Whether it's a family member, a child, you know, what are we gonna do about Shaduchim? So they try maybe to hide it. I, I, you know, it's again, it's, it's hard and everybody in their situation and their own family, the way they look at it, the way they take it. So I think it's a, it's a good idea to talk about it, bring it out so that you can eventually find the right guidance, right help. And before we start, I just want to mention, I heard in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Meir that Hashem sent us the medication today's days. It's, he sent it to us because he knows we need it and it's, from, it's all from Hashem. And in other words, it's, it's a mitzvah if somebody needs to be able to continue in life. And the, the only way you can do it is by taking something which Hashem created, then it's a it's a natu. But yes, it does take time. It's it's a sensitive topic. And um, just to face reality might be hard. So just to sit and listen and to see where it goes, see how you take it, see maybe you can take the next step to improve, whether it's seeking. Uh, a therapist, a psychiatrist, or a rav, whatever it is, so you can talk to somebody to guide you. Mitzvah Shem, we should have a lot of siyata deshmaya tonight, and everybody should be able to hear what they need in Mitzvah Shem. Thank you, Coach Menachem, for a beautiful opening. For uh, Dr. Jacob Goes, let me just uh, say again tonight, overview that the topic is Ask the Doctor Move the Couch, How to Support Families in Mental Health Crises. Mitzvah Shem, to be a deep topic, we want to cover, you know, all different aspects of it. Dr. Jacob will open up. Uh, tonight's share, we're going to learn, first of all, for it's a yard site tonight, Sholdov and Akhali Tzvi, via Schus from Shama. And uh, we also learned the share, we got a call last night from a friend of my wife's, that the young young couple, the husband went to the hospital, they can't, they can't figure out exactly what's wrong, but Mitzvah, they should get a full shalem. Menachem Mendel ben Devorolea, 
and the schus, the shir from all the thousands of people, much they'll hear it. And afterwards, who knows how many people hear it, it should be a schus for Kushla for them. I'm going to read Dr. Jacob's bio quickly, the short, the short version, and then we are going to give it to him. Dr. Jacob L. Friedman is a psychiatrist and business consultant based in Israel. He's the author of Wolf the Couch and the Mishpacha magazine, as well as two books from the Manuka publishers. When he's not with his patients, Dr. Friedman can be found learning Torah in the old city or hiking the hills of Jerusalem. Can most easily be reached via drjacobfriedman.com. And it's chus to have you again. Dr. Jacob, the floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me, Reb Asher, Coach Menachem. Big zuchus to be here. Uh, you'll forgive me that I'm a bit chayzerig. I have a sinus infection as a kapara for the generation. Um, so hopefully that works out. I think you gave me the bug when I come on again next year. You know, Coach Menachem, watch out. You got to have your vitamins. Um, you know, we're here to talk tonight about supporting families in the midst of a mental health crisis. And of course, we can answer uh, any questions that anybody has. I think the most important thing to know is that a lot of people uh, are struggling out there. Uh, every single family at some point will deal with a mental health challenge. That's just the MS. Um, I gave a talk in a big city uh, earlier this year with about 20,000 families. And uh, somebody asked me to just give over some epidemiological data, just, you know, who's dealing with what? So again, city with about 20,000 uh, families. And the first thing I said was, you know, there's gonna be 2000 moms in this city who will experience postpartum depression at some point. Um, there's going to be 400 moms and dads who will experience uh, psychosis and schizophrenia at some point in their lives. There will be a thousand parents who will experience bipolar disorder. Uh, there will be thousands of people with OCD and with addiction, children with ADHD and Lutzarino Arabi and people who will have a traumatic experiences. And then of course, uh, there will be people who will die from suicide uh, suicide is the number one preventable uh, cause of death in young adults and adolescents. So whether it's Ramat Beit Shemesh, Muncie, Brooklyn, uh, whether it's Manchester, Oive, this is stuff that happens in our community. And if we don't talk about it, uh, then we can't possibly come up with solutions as a community to uh, essentially help our loved ones and help our neighbors. So, uh, for uh, having me here to talk about this today. And that's really the goal, as you said, Coach Menachem, you know, if we're not uh, doing a good job talking about this, then we're not doing a good job preventing uh, the next crisis from happening. So I certainly appreciate you having myself and other uh, professionals out there to essentially discuss uh, solutions. You can't have a solution unless you have a problem. You don't have a problem unless you have Coach Menachem talking about how we can address these issues and Rav Asher quipping on the side. Uh, so uh, here we are. I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh, there is a town uh, that has a lot of Americans nearby. And the mayor of that town uh, is a really funny fellow. And he always does a good job of going to schmooze with the Americans one Shabbos a month, ask them what's going on, what challenges they're having, uh, what concerns they're having, how he can make the town a more livable place for us, Mafunakim, 
uh, Americans. Uh, you know, we're a bit east and east compared to the Israelis uh, here in Eretz Yisrael. So uh, the mayor of this town goes around uh, asking folks, you know, essentially how he can uh, make it more American friendly. And uh, I knew this fellow. Uh, he gave me a call one night and told me about some of the things that was happening with his son, uh, who was talking about the Mossad and talking about wearing four different types of tefillin a day and even at nighttime and Mashiach is on the way. And I told him, you know, you better not wait and you better get him into a psychiatrist as fast as he can. Uh, this fellow brought his son in. Uh, to get evaluated, and uh, there was a problem where the son was unwilling to follow the treatment plan and ended up being hospitalized. I got a call from uh, this mayor, this friend of mine, and he was telling me uh, about the experience in the hospital and how stressful it was and how his wife was shuttling back and forth visiting and how his older daughter was bringing food back and forth and about his challenges uh, trying to manage the kids at home and to deal with everybody's uh, stressful uh, reactions to the family crisis. And uh, this fellow's son was hospitalized for close to about three and a half months when all was said and done at a long-term uh, hospital here in Israel. And through the process, because this was such an intense challenge, this fellow stopped going to the monthly town hall meetings uh, for the American community where he lived because he was very overwhelmed. Uh, he had a lot on his plate. He spent Shabbos uh, oftentimes nearby the hospital in order to visit his son. And uh, the combination of whether it was him or his wife uh, being away for Shabbos, it became uh, impossible for him to... Uh, go and schmooze at the American Shoal, and people started to talk about him, that he didn't really care, that he thought he was uh, a big wig, that he enjoyed to hang out with the Askanim, and uh, there was a lot of interesting lush and hara about why this local politician was no longer interested in hanging out uh, with the Americans. He wasn't interested in uh, trying to help them out. He was just interested in getting the vote a few cycles back. And I remember hearing this uh, one day in Shul and uh, quoting the Hofetz Chaim uh, magnet that we all have on our fridge that says, everyone's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And I love being the Lush and Hara police periodically, uh, but it was the truth. Uh, I didn't obviously reveal anything about what I knew, but the truth is you have no idea what other people are dealing with. And when you consider that one in three people have a mental health uh, issue, whether it's substance use, depression, anxiety, uh, trauma, addiction, at some point in their life, uh, that's a lot of people. Everybody's gonna have a challenge at some point in their family. It's just frankly inevitable. And the difference between having a mental health challenge uh, in one's family versus having a, a machla uh, is that when somebody has a medical crisis in their family, there's many great organizations that will come running to their need. And uh, everybody knows about what's happening with the young girl and her condition, and she's in the hospital and they want to help the family uh, because 
how could uh, Claudius Rail not help somebody else uh, in the community? But when somebody is having a mental health crisis, uh, the stigma is so great that oftentimes people are either uh, unwilling uh, or just frankly too embarrassed to talk about it and to ask for help. So people end up being very alone uh, during mental health uh, crises. And uh, that's a, a horrifying thing to face these things alone and without the help of our community, which is otherwise such a, a tremendous strength. Uh, Baruch Hashem, our community does an incredible uh, uh, thing with Chesed. Uh, we take care of our uh, neighbors and our friends and our extended family because uh, this is Kol Yisrael and Kol Yisrael Arvim Zelizeh. But when it comes to a mental health crisis, um, oftentimes people are alone. And if you had to ask me uh, what was the single greatest mitzvah that I've ever done in my entire life, it was probably uh, helping out a neighbor whose wife was in the hospital. And this was a young fellow who had a, a toddler. And he came to me because he knew that I wouldn't judge him. And he dropped off his kid on Shabbos for about a month and a half while his wife was in the hospital so he could go to Mincha. And I don't think that that's the reason that it was the greatest mitzvah that I you know, watched his kids so that way he could go to Mincha. I think it was that I had to change his kid's diaper. Uh, so uh, I remember having to change this kid's diaper because it was during the time uh, that my wife would take a nap on Shabbos. So I was sitting there with some of my little kids and with uh, his son and changing that kid's diaper uh, every Shabbos so that way he could go to Mencha Gadola. And I remember thinking, you know, I definitely got Olam Haba for this one, if not for some of the other stuff. Uh, but the truth is just practical support. Um, we're talking about how you can help a family in the community going through a mental health crisis. The MS is practical support the same way that you'd help them if they were going through any other sort of crisis you would uh, validate their uh, situation, you know, let them know that this is a challenge. Uh, you would let them know that uh, you're not there to judge, that you don't need any other information because people are very embarrassed to uh, share this information sometimes, or people are very confused or they don't have good information. You just let them know, you know, I'm there for you. I know you're having a tough time and practically what can I do to help? Um, I had a patient who once told me when his wife was struggling uh, that the sweetest thing anybody did was uh, just to have pizza delivered every Tuesday. You know, no questions asked, uh, nothing, uh, not do you need any help, just one of his neighbors sent over a pizza every Tuesday. And when they had other food, uh, they'd freeze it. But same help that anybody else needs, you know, uh, doing carpool. Uh, dropping off Shabbos dinner, uh, taking uh, the younger kids to the pool when you take your own kids to the pool because you know that your neighbor's kid is in the hospital or your neighbor's wife is dealing with postpartum depression. You know what's happening. We all know what's happening if we think hard about it. Uh, you know, taking money, putting in an envelope and stuffing under the door if you know that the husband hasn't been able to work because of the challenges that he's had. Or collaborating with any of the great organizations we have out there, whether it's uh, Amudim, Relief, Mask, Ohel, Haskenu, uh, uh, whether it's going ahead and, you know, uh, baking kugels with Mayor Brule and uh, 
the Beaker Holing out by you guys. Uh, there's always good stuff to do when it comes to helping folks. So uh, those are a quick uh, few words. And uh, I know that uh, based on the number of people that are leaving, uh, that if people don't start to ask, ask questions soon, uh, it's just going to be the three of us. So I'll open up the floor. Thank you, Dr. Jacob. Beautiful. Nobody's leaving. Everybody's coming. Just on the on the iPhone, it looks like very active. It's not like that. We told you this before. <laughs> iPhones are us, sir. Don't don't out me. Okay, so let's start off with some polls. We have some live questions. Um, I want to do the polls, and then um, I want to read this something that somebody somebody sent in. I think it's a very great way to understand. Okay, two poll questions. Anonymously, get a feeling from the crowd. The first question is: Have you ever dealt with a mental health crisis, family or friend? Three options, either yes, no, dealt with basic therapy stuff, but not like crisis. Please answer that. And then the follow-up question is, in your opinion, do you feel your community is doing enough for mental health? So it's yes, doing amazing stuff. B, no, can really use a lot of guidance over here. Or C, have a basic system, but not for more complex issues. Everybody answer those polls. We'll share them with everybody. And then we'll go to the first live question. Dr. Jacob, we'll open a live. I also want to read the thing. Okay, three more seconds. Okay, so let's share the answers. Have you ever dealt with a mental health crisis, family, or friend? A whopping 79% of people over here tonight said yes. 9% said no, only 9%. The other 12% said dealt with basic therapy stuff and not crises. Dr. Jacob, any, any comment on that? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, 79% uh, is most likely closer to 99%. Uh, but it's not surprising because let's uh, nobody does anything wrong that they get struck with mental health challenges. Uh, this is just things that happen in our community. You know, this isn't uh, like somebody is... Uh, drinking a bunch and then just hops in the car and starts driving uh, to have fun because it's like playing a video game. Uh, this is, you know, folks who have uh, the combination of genetic predispositions and uh, environmental stressors that bring out uh, symptoms of mental health uh, diagnoses. Okay, and the second question over here, um, in your opinion, do you feel the community is doing enough for mental health? And again, you get people from all over the world here now. 16% say yes, only 60%. 50% of people say no, not really, can use a lot of guidance. And 34% of people say have a basic system, but not, but not for more complex issues. Want to comment on that? Yeah, so I, I think that this is great because uh, there was a time 20 years ago, as Reb Menachem said before, where uh, there wasn't too much. There were just lona skanim uh, who were fielding phone calls. And Baruch Hashem, uh, you look at some of these organizations uh, who have built tremendous networks. You look at how many people uh, are working for Amudim over a short period of time. You look at uh, the fact that Relief Resources is a uh, name that's uh, available in every house uh, that folks are familiar with. I know there's a, a great new organization uh, over the past few years in Lakewood called Confe Fega that uh, is there to support uh, families who are going through crisis. 
and uh, this this is a good trend. Is there more work to be done? For sure. Um, and I think that uh, the more that people uh, realize that there is more work to do, the more they'll be willing to not only support these organizations, but also to take uh, it to new places. You know, the reason that uh, any of these organizations uh, was founded is because of uh, people who were struggling massively and had uh, tragedies in their families. And when people realized that uh, they are not alone and then they're interested in going out there and helping. That's what Claudia Israel does best. Okay, I want to read an email that somebody sent me uh, right before the share, literally two minutes before the share, and then we're going to go to the first. As question. long as it's constructive criticism. It's something about you. Is that okay? Sure. Uh, okay, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I think I think it's a very important thing to read. Not a question. I just wanted to say that my family went through a mental health crisis with my twelve-year-old son, and had to send them to a program for a couple of months. It was a brutally hard time period, especially the nights of Hanukkah, where I cried and cried by the menorah. We were pretty open with our friends and family, and the support and the love we received was carried to us through time. People brought us over and over and sent gifts, letters, food, money. It was life-saving. So if anyone wants to know, if anybody knows of a family going through a mental health crisis, just send a pie of pizza with a note, drop off some challah before Shabbos, or send a text, say that we're davening, show that you care. Am that's exactly what we're talking about because this is essentially the same experience that a similar family would have if their child was admitted to chop uh, for uh, treatment of a machla or something similar. But uh, when people are experiencing mental health crisis, again, there's not only the embarrassment that the family feels, but there's the fear and the concern and the lack of understanding that everybody else feels. What's wrong with these people that they have a kid in the psych hospital? Why are these people have a kid who was admitted to a detox or a rehab? And everybody's embarrassed to talk about it. So again, the MS is, as this uh, individual said, you don't have to talk about it. You just have to drop off a pizza or a challah. You don't have to say anything. You just have to say, we're taking our kids to the museum. We're taking our kids to the water park. Can we bring your kids too? Uh, you don't have to get all the details. You can just say, just want to let you know we're pulling for you. If you need us for anything, uh, we're around. Beautiful. Okay, let's go with the first question live. You're on. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Roger. Thank you, Chris Menachem. And thank you, and Dr. Friedman. Um, first of all, we do miss your column in the Shabbat Magazine. That was a highlight of the week. So as soon as you bring it back, we'll be very happy to see it again. Um, the question, as a friend, spouse, mentor, rabbi, how do we know the signs when someone just needs some chizuk and when they need to be sent to a clinical medical professional and this is not just somebody who needs a little a little little pat on the back uh, I appreciate the positive feedback uh, Rob elephant and and I would say that this is such a good important question I'm really glad that you asked it um, the most important thing that I can do as a from a mental health professional is to have a relationship with a poisake that I can ask a lot of the questions that come up in uh, my office to somebody who's uh, bucky in the halachas of mental health and of medicine in general, because I get a lot of 
interesting quandaries beyond all of the horrible lush and horror that I hear all day long. And it's important that I have uh, somebody to turn to uh, that I can ask uh, my questions to, because a lot of times uh, there's no clear answer. So I would say that in the same sense, it's very important for uh, the rub of a community, for a place to have a relationship with a uh, professional. You and other folks should have a relationship with uh, a psychologist, with a psychiatrist that you can call up and say, listen, there's a guy in my community uh, who's having problems with his wife. And his wife says that uh, uh, he's always bothering her about halacha and telling her that she's messing up the kitchen and that she's not makbid on taras mishpacha. How can I know if he is OCD or if he's just uh, being a difficult person and needs to be told to relax when it comes to humras? So the only way that you would know that is to have the ability to conference with a uh, professional who really understands uh, such an issue. And I can say that, uh, I am so grateful for these relationships that I've developed over the years with uh, local uh, community leaders to be able not only to ask my questions, uh, but to also provide uh, support, guidance, and education uh, to Rabanis about what's uh, striking to me as a uh, mental health concern versus as somebody who uh, might just need a bit of chizuk, as the Rub said. And, and I would add to that, you know, a good from uh, clinician, uh, that's what we do is we understand the difference between uh, what's culturally appropriate and what's a symptom. I used to always tell my med students that, uh, there's a guy who's uh, currently in the hospital that talks to God uh, three times a day and has a uh, protective t-shirt that he wears with these strings uh, that keeps him out of trouble and he hasn't shaved in years. What's the most likely diagnosis? And they would say, you know, schizophrenia. And I would respond Yiddishkeit uh, because that's me. Uh, so you have to understand the difference between what's culturally appropriate and what's a symptom. And that's something that, uh, really only, uh, a person who's mamish Bucky in, uh, in the Torah belt can do. Uh, so I, I think it's so important to have just a from person uh, who's a professional that you have a cashier with, Rob. So that way, uh, not only can uh, they help you, but you can also help them uh, to better understand the halachas of these challenging situations. I hope that answered the question. Okay, Jacob, somebody uh, texted me this question. Can I read it? What's up question? I'd be honored. Okay, my husband struggles with bipolar disorder and he's more compliant with his meds, but then most, he's mo more compliant with his meds than most, but he also struggles heavily with it and also struggles to give me the ability I need. What hope can you offer to, to those who are married to those suffering with bipolar disorder? Uh, that's a great question. So 
I think, first of all, you have to know that you're not alone. Bipolar disorder uh, is probably about 2% of the population is a good number. So that means that if you live uh, on a street that has, you know, 50, 100 families, that for sure you're not the only person who's experiencing this challenge. And there's a great organization in the States called Chazkenu, uh, which is a call-in support group for from ladies that uh, have loved ones who are experiencing serious mental uh, health challenges. And you know, knowing that you're not alone, I think is very important. Hearing things that have uh, worked and uh, things that have not worked uh, is, is very important. I think that I always encourage my patients with uh, significant challenges to bring their spouses, to bring their uh, grown kids or to bring their parents to the appointment so that way we can all be on the same team. Because uh, a lot of times uh, with my patients, I, I get you know an hour in the office with them and I, I might be an expert in psychiatry, but I'm not an expert in Yossi Cohen who's sitting in front of me. Whereas Yossi Cohen's wife can come in and say, I know Yossi looks good, but every single night he wakes up at three in the morning uh, to start davening tikkun atzois. And if I don't hear that from her, I'm not gonna have the information because Yossi might not volunteer that. Um, in the same sense, uh, I think that there are some uh, things that you could share with the doctor uh, that would implicate uh, the treatment itself. For example, if you'll tell the doctor that uh, your husband doesn't take his medicine, you know, a, a couple times a month, the doctor might suggest uh, medicine in the form of uh, injection that comes once a month because then even if he forgets periodically, it's still uh, in his system in an ongoing way. So for people who uh, have a tough time uh, being adherent to their medication regimens, whether it's because they forget or they get frustrated or uh, they're embarrassed, uh, long-acting injectable treatments, uh, there are some shots that you can get once every few months that uh, are great at preventing relapse. So. Uh, I hope that's helpful and uh, I'm pulling for you because I know that this can be a challenge, but you'd be surprised how many uh, great people have bipolar disorder, uh, whether it's some patients that have been so okay to help who are doctors, lawyers, uh, famous uh, musicians and entertainers, uh, ad morim, uh, and their and their loved ones. So you're not alone and there's good people out there. Okay, beautiful, Dr. Friedman. Okay, you're on. Hi. I um, was just wondering, this is sort of an elaboration of what uh, Mr. Elephant was saying about recognizing, uh, you know, signs of mental illness. You know, you feel you're on the sidelines. You don't know what to do. What about children, like a child who might be uh, watching a parent through an episode? Do you, you know, I know that there are courses now things to help you know instruct children against predators for example but is there anything going on i, which I wish there had been when i was a kid like if you tell it mommy or daddy you're just not acting normally or there's you know something that's they may sense something's wrong but not know it are there those kind of programs or you know people to the child you know to help the child that way uh, th that's a great question, and thank you uh, for asking it, Ms. Kenter. I, I think that you know a good school uh, will have uh, support staff. 
most schools now, uh, certainly in the States, have either a psychologist or a social worker that's associated with the school. And uh, here in Eretz role, many of the yeshivas have a psychologist or a social worker uh, that's associated with the program. And it's really the job of that individual to be uh, in touch with all of the kids uh, when they come in to meet them and to check in throughout the year to really have their finger on the pulse. And this is a great resource uh, for kids because uh, it allows them to have a professional to discuss their concerns with. And it also allows for there to be a liaison between the teachers and the Hala and uh, a mental health professional who's uh, DAFCA uh, able to provide an appropriate intervention. You know, school psychologists uh, are not there to get anybody in trouble. They're there to help people to be successful. And part of the role of the school psychologist is uh, not just to help the kids, but it's also to identify parents who might uh, be in need of extra resources. So I, I really encourage uh, always uh, the anhala uh, of uh, schools, of yeshivas, of seminaries to have mental health staff on board, to have uh, their meetings with uh, the social worker or the psychologist present. So that way we can uh, address and notice any red flags of families that might be in need of support. I hope that answers your question. He heard me before, though, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I was just to, just to elaborate. What about a child that might be just not might be too naive to understand? You know, caught in the crossfire. Maybe you know, it's like the fourth child at this, the fourth son at the seder doesn't even know how to ask, or or the third son maybe like what's going on. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe getting a child to uh, ask that kind of a. You know, like you may sense the child, you know, something's going on, the child may not even be able to articulate it. I mean, do you, you know, I, I think that's a great question. And I think that, you know, children are a lot smarter than we think they are, uh, which yeah. is what I think you're alluding to. And whether or not yeah, they can recognize, yeah, there's somehow they whether or not they can put a name yeah, to it, yeah. uh, they're, they're able to recognize that things are not going good or that things have yeah. changed with it within the family dynamics. And that allowing uh, them to be a part, not of the, necessarily the decision-making, but a part of uh, whether it's the grieving process or the healing process it mm -hmm. is very important because whether or not we uh, talk with them, they know something is up. So I, I encourage people to have age-appropriate discussions with uh, uh, their children. And I encourage uh, people to uh, talk with uh, the pediatrician to ask, you know, what's an appropriate way to, to talk with uh, the, the young children or to talk with the mental health providers. You know, a lot of times, for example, when I have a, a patient who's uh, struggling with an eating disorder, I'll talk with the family about how to uh, address this with the other people uh, in the family, whether it's, uh, uh, the extended family uh, and how to deal with this during a hag or with the kids in the house to understand what's uh, healthy eating habits and what's not. When somebody's going through an addiction, when somebody's hospitalized, you know, the little kids need to know because otherwise uh, they'll be in the dark. And 
uh, frankly, it'll be more scary. So we have to think about what's an appropriate way to uh, address these issues. Uh, this is a great question. Yes, Thank you. Okay, let's go to the next live question, Yaron. Thank you, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, my question is around medication, psychotropic medication. So is there like some guidance that can be um, spoken about about when it would be indicated? Because from in my own circle, you know, I've been hearing people who are maybe told by their by their psychiatrist to go on medication, um, but they're afraid of it. Either they think it's a quick fix, like, why do I need medication? Why can't I just figure out how to do this talk therapy? There's all these different therapeutic modalities to try. So yeah, and some, some psychiatrists are very quick to just prescribe medication. So is there any, some guidance that we can get? Uh, and besides all the other, you know, the issues with medication that side effects, you know, being dependent on the medication. So when is medication something that is, you know, the, the, the correct approach and when is it not yet the thing to try? So that, that's a really important question, Rabbi Nachum, and I appreciate you asking it. Um, I, I would say, first of all, you know, every case is different. Uh, so we need to keep that in mind. And what worked for uh, Levy might not work for uh, Shimon or Ruvain. And we have to keep that in mind. Um, I, I would encourage everybody to be an active consumer. Um, we all uh, on the stock have uh, access to internet. And I would encourage you not to go down the dark hole of uh, strange things on the internet. Certainly, uh, if you Google Jews, you'll find out that we're in control of the media, the economy, and uh, everything else. Uh, and if you Google psychiatric medicines, you know, you'll find all sorts of interesting information. But, but I would encourage folks rather to, to look up uh, the information on you know, the Mayo Clinic website, on the Mass General Hospital, uh, MGH uh, McLean website about different diagnoses and uh, different available treatments. Um, being an educated consumer allows you to ask the right questions uh, during your appointment. And I, I think that's so important. Um, I, I would agree that there's mylas and chesroinas. Uh, there's advantages and disadvantages, pros and cons to any derech uh, that you take, uh, no matter what it is. And uh, a good doctor will help uh, you think through the pros and the cons. Uh, a lot of people are nervous to go to a psychiatrist because, as you said, uh, there's a thought that some psychiatrists will jump to prescribed medicines. Uh, if you look at the data, most psychiatric medications are not actually prescribed by psychiatrists uh, in America. They're prescribed by family doctors. So psychiatrists actually have a bit more information about uh, the pros and the cons and uh, when it comes to making diagnosis. So uh, unless you're brought in shackles to the prison psychiatrist, uh, which none of us should know that experience, you know, it's a voluntary evaluation. I always tell my patients, you know, you walked in here and you're going to walk out of here. Uh, I'm not going to force you to do anything. Uh, all I'm going to do is to give you some advice. And in the end, you'll be the one who makes the decision. You know, we have to encourage our patients uh, to have a chryas and to be in charge uh, of, uh, in the end, the decisions that they'll make. And I, I'm only here for consultations for uh, AIDSs. 
And if you think that my eights are good, great. And if you don't, uh, that's okay too. You know, it is a free market economy and there's lots of good firm psychiatrists out there, Baruch Hashem. Um, I, I think that it's important uh, one general rule for when medications uh, should definitely be considered. I think once folks are starting to get into trouble, so once uh, we're talking about people that are uh, at risk of getting fired because they're no longer effective at work, when we're talking about kids that are going to get kicked out of school because of disruptive behaviors, when we're talking about uh, people that can't take care of their children, when we're talking about physical dysfunction. So, you know, again, mental illness uh, is a physical condition, right? Uh, neurology is when people have uh, brain dysfunction that causes issues with uh, motor function and sensation. Uh, and psychiatry is when people have uh, brain uh, dysfunction that causes behavioral challenges and personality challenges. So when a person's goof isn't working, when they're feeling schwach all the time, when their appetite is changing, when uh, they're experiencing strange things, uh, hallucinations, delusions, uh, when they're tired all the time, or when they can't sleep, when their goof is uh, hurting, that's when medication is for sure uh, should be should be considered much more strongly because uh, the goof doesn't stop working until it's taken a pretty big hit, whether it's a cardiologic, uh, sorry, a cardiology problem, uh, a kidney problem, a lung problem, uh, or a brain problem. You know, we can take a lot of hits, thank God, and, and still keep on working. But once uh, the body's hurting, that's when medication should be more strongly considered. And uh, as far as side effects, um, you know, there's a side effect to crossing the street. Um, there's a side effect to driving your car to uh, go pick up a box of cereal and milk at the local McCollet. I, I think that we need to understand that uh, one of the greatest side effects out there is letting yourself suffer uh, for uh, an extended period of time because uh, the further you descend, the longer it takes uh, to go back up. And uh, the further you descend, the more challenges you'll have uh, at work, at school, and with the family at home. And that stuff can be tough to repair. So uh, I, I think that, again, you can't go wrong with seeing a doc. You don't have to take any medicines you don't want to unless there's a court order suggesting otherwise. Um, and with that in mind, again, sometimes people come into my office, uh, I would say uh, 100% of people get recommended exercise, good sleep hygiene, sobriety, and about 90% of people get recommended psychotherapy, and probably about 50% of people get recommended uh, a medication. So uh, a good psychiatrist will see things in 3D, and you know, if you bring in a loved one to the appointment with you, uh, who provides collateral information about what they think is going on. If you're an educated consumer and you come in with questions, you know, that's great because uh, I'll always ask my patients towards the end of an appointment, what questions do you have? As opposed to, do you have any questions? Because I'm expecting that you have questions. And the more questions that you bring in, the easier it is for me to 
uh, provide you with answers according to the research and my own experience. So I, I really appreciate your question, Rabbi Nachum, and uh, I hope that answers it. Oh, I got a thumbs up emoji. Great. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dr. Jacob. Since you love questions, we have so many questions for you tonight, so we're good. Okay, you're on live. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Friedman, for being on tonight. I'm so grateful to you for the role that you play, um, both in our community and all the ripples out from there. Um, so my question is, um, you had a question earlier about someone asking, how do you stay and cope within a marriage? So I chose to leave a marriage um, with somebody who had a personality disorder and some mental illness issues who refused to acknowledge them and do anything to help himself. Um, and it's been, you know, it was very destructive. It was a fairly longish marriage. Um, and I've worked very hard to create distance and create boundaries. And that's an ongoing, um, you know, a voter um, and will be, we, there are children involved. So that, you know, there's, there's only a certain amount of distance in, uh, that you can create, but in the process of trying to both still cope and heal. Um, I have two, one question and one, I don't know, kind of just thoughts to share. Um, so one, my question is that as you're trying to heal and kind of put the experience somewhere <laughs> in your head, um, how are you supposed to feel towards such a person who has created a lot of pain um, and suffering in your life, um, you know, in the earlier stages, and it's like, you know, you go through the morning stages and the anger and then all that kind of stuff. But once you get to a little farther along, is it like, is it pity? Is it indifference? Is it trying to work towards forgiveness? Um, you know, of course, there's all this, you know, things from the Torah that will talk to us about, you know, you can learn up Shabbos Tachon, and you can learn up all, all kinds of Torah to help you with, you know, how to, how to frame suffering in your own mind, but until you, you know, before you get to the level of uh, being a tzaddik, so where do you put that person in your head? How do you feel towards them? So I think it's very brave of you to share this information because I, I, I believe that there are a lot of people uh, that uh, Baruch Hashem uh, have the koach to deal with these challenges uh, when their spouses uh, engage uh, in treatment. And then I think there are a lot of people uh, who make the right decision for them and their family uh, and move onwards when their spouse is not uh, uh, taking achrayas or when the situation is frankly uh, unsafe. The most important thing that I'm hearing from uh, your journey is that you're being honest with your feelings. Uh, and that's so important because uh, most of the time people don't explode. They don't smash things and hit other people and start screaming uh, unless they've been angry for a little while. Uh, most of the time, uh, people uh, don't get defensive unless they've been nervous or felt uh, invalidated for a long period of time. 
So when we're honest about our feelings, it allows us to act in a mature and a professional way. And it sounds like you've done a lot of uh, a bodhisattva uh, to make that happen. I think that people who have spouses who are going through mental health crises uh, should be very open to the idea of going to their own individual therapy. Uh, not because uh, a person uh, whose husband has alcoholism uh, has done anything wrong or has their own diagnosis, but because it's a very stressful challenge. And I think having uh, a safe uh, place to talk about one's feelings is critical. Um, I think that, you know, a, a man whose wife has bipolar disorder, you know, would certainly benefit from therapy to talk about the experience, to talk about his anger, his frustration, his questions to the abisher. I think, you know, having a rub to talk to, uh, as well as having a therapist is very helpful. There's also, uh, these groups like Haskenu does fantastic things for women, uh, who, you know, need the support. I think also, uh, specifically in addictions, um, you know, spouses and children and parents can go to Al-Anon uh, meetings and can uh, participate in these uh, support groups also to realize that they're not alone, to hear what works and to understand uh, acceptance, uh, which is so important in these challenges because, you know, nobody chooses to marry a spouse who has a serious mental illness or an addiction. Uh, nobody wants to have a child who has uh, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. Um, and uh, the philosophy of 12-step uh, uh, programming of the recovery movement uh, is so beautiful. And, you know, God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, you know, Rabbi Torsky's itself, who, you know, was the admor of recovery, uh, always said that, you know, people who have addiction benefit from 12 steps and people who do not have addiction benefit from the 12 steps. He wrote a great book called Teshuva Through Recovery, um, in addition to 80 other great books. Um, and I think that there's a lot of wisdom that people who are going through mental health challenges can get from 12 steps. Um, I, I am not an addict, but I, but I still uh, will periodically go to meetings and uh, learn over the 12 steps because there's a lot of wisdom there and I've seen how much it helps my patients. And uh, I think there's uh, what to be said for pursuing that as uh, a means of both support and personal growth. I hope that answers your question. And uh, I, I wish you lots of success because it seems like this has been a challenge and you know, Hashem should thank you for all of your honest bodhisattva and trying to help uh, both yourself and your kids around this process. Amen, thank you so much. Just uh, Dr. Friedman, is it okay to feel angry? Oh, of course. Uh, it's, it's normal to feel angry. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed that point. I went off on an AA tangent. Uh, the only thing that's not okay is to deny that you're feeling angry because that's when people uh, do 
uh, out of control explosive things because uh, they've just let it build up for too long. So again, that's why therapy uh, and support groups can be so important because it gives you that safe place to discuss how you're feeling and it encourages uh, you to be honest. That's why having a rabbinus, uh, rabbis, rabbitsons in the community who are uh, bucky by this stuff and, uh, and let people uh, say things without uh, the stigma uh, of, of mental health and, and addiction. It's so important that we have these people in our community. Mm -hmm. And here's a question that somebody sent in. Um, I've been married for six years and in the last- Mazel tov. Things have started to become more and more difficult. Our children are hard to take care of. My husband is simply in and out of jobs. We're financially struggling, which I understand and accept is the situation as of now. My, my concern is my husband's mental state. He seems sad, removed, depressed, shut down from me and the things that he needs to take care of. And he's not his usual self. How, as a loving wife, can I talk to my husband about the situation? Or, or do I get family or a bunim or a rav involved? How do I get them involved and get the proper help and guidance, which honestly, I have no idea what to do myself. Okay, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, a spouse will feel uh, like their loved one needs help uh, before the loved one themselves. Uh, you know, it's impossible to free yourself from jail is what uh, the Gemara Brachas teaches us because you don't even know you're there half the time. Um, so I think one thing that you can always do, which is a great resource, uh, and I encourage folks to do is, uh, call Mudim, call Relief. Uh, these are great organizations that are out there. Call Mask, uh, call OHELP, any of these wonderful organizations that are out there and have a confidential discussion with the case manager, uh, about what you think is going on. And this will be a person who, uh, again, is a, from a uh, person in our community that speaks your language, uh, the discussion is anonymous and you can say, this is what's going on. What do you think I should do? Um, that's one idea. Another idea is to have an open discussion with your spouse and to say, listen, this is what I think is going on. Uh, and I know that it's been hard for you. What do you think we should do? Um, here's another idea. Uh, in cases where you've already done that and uh, your loved one is uninterested in getting any sort of help, uh, I think that the question is who will they listen to? Uh, this is why uh, I love listening uh, and working with uh, the Siddhartha belt is because there's always the, the Admor Shlita who uh, is at the top. And so, you know, if you won't listen to your dad, if you won't listen to your cousin, if you won't listen to the rub of the shoal, there's the Admor to tell you that it's time to go to get help. Um, so uh, in a case where a person is refusing help, the question is, who are they willing to listen to? And you got to think about who that person is. And, and there's no lush and horror uh, about going and talking to the rub of the community, going and talking to your shrer, uh, because you're not doing this uh, to spread any interesting gossip. You're doing this to save lives. You're doing this to save the marriage. You're doing this to protect your kids because uh, the children 
of parents who are going through a depressive episode don't get the love and the uh, affection and they don't get the attention that they need during that tukufa because dad's just you know going to bed 12 hours a day and doesn't have any koach to, to play ball outside or to go to Lavo Subani. You know, the uh, children of mom when she's dealing with OCD uh, have no idea why they're getting yelled at. Uh, for walking in the house and not taking off their shoes. Uh, that wasn't a problem uh, a year ago. Why is that a problem now? Why are you making me do sponge all the time? Uh, why do I have to mop and sweep up the floor all the time? Why are you always yelling, mom? And if the kids aren't aware um, of what's going on, uh, and if the kids don't have support through the process, they're going to be hurting. So when you go and you get help, uh, uh, for your spouse, uh, you're not saying Lashanara, you're saving the family. Um, nothing less than that, to be perfectly honest. Just a quick question about the people have a fear of reporting that the therapist needs to report. How does that work? Uh -huh. So you're asking about mandated reporting is, is the term. So mandated reporting is when uh, a licensed therapist uh, or doctor um, will have concerns about the well-being of a child in the home, uh, whether it's from neglect, abuse, uh, or something else, and then they will call Child Protective Services, and Child Protective Services uh, will then do an evaluation. Uh, to think about how they can help the kid and help the family. This is not so that way Child Protective Services can take the child out of the home and put them in foster care and the parents will never see their child again. Um, that is a something that happened 50 years ago. That is something that uh, is still carried around as a rumor. Child Protective Services is so overwhelmed and has no resources that Lutsareno Arabim, they leave kids in houses where there is serious physical abuse uh, happening and they're aware of it. They leave children in houses where there's ongoing sexual abuse. Uh, if only they had more cohos and resources. Uh, here in Eretz Yisrael, uh, the Revacha, the welfare department, uh, the main thing that they do is just offer free therapeutic services and offer additional childcare resources. You know, somebody goes to the Rebecha and because they're having a tough time with their kids, uh, the Rebecha offers uh, extended gone, uh, extended preschool, you know, throughout the afternoon. They offer uh, in-home resources and teaching. They offer free therapy. Uh, they get people uh, extra financial resources to, to help feed their family, to pay their bills. Um, and also here in Eretz Yisrael, uh, at least, uh, the Revacha is from people. You know, uh, it's from social workers who want to help families in their community. Um, and that's very important. Um, I think it's a great career uh, for young professionals, uh, new social workers, new psychologists, uh, to think about working uh, with the welfare department so that way they can uh, help the community and learn a lot as well. Uh, so uh, should you be concerned? Uh, if the welfare department is going to take away your kids, that's because uh, it's pekuach nefesh. 
they don't want your kids. Uh, they don't have the resources to take your kids. Uh, most of the time, they just want case closed. Mutsar Reno Arabian. Uh, so uh, I, I wouldn't be afraid about this. I would rather realize that that's an extra resource uh, for your family uh, to be helpful. So forgive me if I'm giving a bit of a uh, chutzpah, controversial answer here. No, we need to hear it. Okay, Dr. Friedman, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Oh, hi, Dr. Friedman. Can you hear me? I got you. You don't have any arms. Uh, you're disembodied circle uh, over oh. a jelly bean. But okay. uh, I can hear you. I'm just thrilled that you're on. You're amazing. And I love your column. So I have a couple of questions. Um, we've had a, a husband who's suffered from really severe anxiety and depression for about four years, who's getting treatment, who's very cooperative, who, you know, wants to get better and has gotten a lot better, um, who's had his ups and downs with different meds and there's a, a, a young teenager who just felt like his dad wasn't there for him for high school. And he's correct, his dad wasn't there for him because he couldn't be. And so the, the, the young teen has had therapy and he's learning in Israel now and he's doing very well. But you know it was very traumatic to see his dad basically not functioning and he's still kind of angry and feels detached. So. I guess I've taken the approach like it's in Hashem's hands. The kid's getting therapy, you know, the dad's trying and that we just have to dive in and wait and be patient. Like, I, I don't think I can force a relationship. I mean, the kid's being nice and respectful, but he's very, very distant and guarded. And I'm guessing that's probably just to be expected. Is that is that right? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having the courage to uh, discuss this situation. I think it's a common one uh, and it really highlights the importance of having an open dialogue in the house uh, from an early stage because the earlier that this uh, young man gets into therapy and the earlier that he has uh, the words to discuss how he feels, um, the easier it is on the family. And the easier it is for him because he doesn't uh, have a big buildup of emotions. Okay. I, I think it's also important because if there is a serious uh, mental health issue, you know, teenage years and uh, late teens, early 20s is when uh, the genetic predisposition rears its head. And uh, he would be at an elevated risk of his own challenges. Um, also, young uh, men who don't have. Uh, present parents are at an increased risk in our community of substance use. So, you know, providing him with healthy resources and supports is important because otherwise he'll provide himself with unhealthy uh, resources and supports. So mentoring programs are really big here. Uh, you know, we should all be lucky enough to have uh, uncles that can pinch hit uh, big brothers, uh, cousins, uh, neighbors, uh, friends of the family that can help out and uh, take this young man to a baseball game, take this young man to shul, uh, help this young man prepare for his bar mitzvah laning. Uh, the more support that the community gives uh, in a proactive way, uh, the less reactive uh, crisis management we have to deal with down the road. 
So that, that if I can just ask another question, I mean, unfortunately in our community, it was really, um, we didn't really get any help and we became pretty isolated socially. And it was very difficult. We basically are down to like three good friends and I feel really grateful for them. And so that's something that's really frustrating. And I'd like to try to get back to normal now that he's doing better, but it just, I still feel like scared and awkward. Like he's, you know, still kind of quiet sometimes, you know, was always a shy person. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm asking exactly, but I, is there any suggestion on how to get things back socially and to expand our circle instead of feeling so isolated? So I, I think that you being able to reach out to other women uh, and not feeling so alone yourself uh, will be helpful. Uh, because the stronger you are as the pillar of this family, it seems right now, the easier it will be for you to create more opportunities for healing and moving forwards. And uh, I would also say, you know, now that you've experienced this, uh, as things settle down more and you have more time, you might want to get involved in, in some of the good organizations that are out there or to start a similar uh support network within your own community because these are common challenges and if there is not uh, this kind of support within your community then there should be and i think you'd be uh, not surprised uh, but you know as you're aware there's a lot of people dealing with these challenges you're not the only one i'm pulling for you Okay, that's ask a question that came in and so it's from the person themselves. I have so much going on. Very, very blanket statement. I don't know how to keep my relationships with other people during this time. No one can really, nobody really knows what's going on in my life. And I don't have the energy to talk about it with people. I feel removed from friends and neighbors. I just want to feel normal. What advice can you, can you, can you give me so I can be myself? Um, let me make a pitch for therapy. Picture therapy goes like this. The only reason not to do therapy is time and money. Uh, but if you go to therapy, you will be a more efficient person uh, because you'll learn how to juggle chainsaws, uh, at least emotionally and socially. And therefore you'll be more effective at work and you'll have more money. Uh, so therapy is a great way to ground yourself, to center yourself, to think about what are your goals and how you'll achieve them. And in a case like this, uh, I think that therapy is something uh, to give a shot. Um, you know, there are a lot of great therapists that work by Zoom now after the pandemic of the past few years. There are a ton of fantastic uh, from clinicians out there. Um, some of the best uh, people in the world are from people uh, and so there's no shortage of uh, good folks out there to work with you, even if you live in Saskatchewan, which I imagine you don't. Okay, Mardik, um, let's get her on. Where is she? Okay, you're on. Hi, Dr. Friedman. Mrs. Rosenfeld here from Vega. Woo! I was wondering when we were going to have you say hi. Yeah, hi, and thank you for all your support. 
So what's that going to so, Thank you for helping the Velves. We're trying. Oh, we got, Mrs. Roosevelt, why don't you first tell everybody who you are and what your organization does? Okay, so I'm the director of Comfort Fake. It's an organization in Lakewood that services Lakewood families only. And we support families where one of the parents is struggling with a mental illness. And the way we support the family is by providing you with a volunteer advocate and a shout out there if anyone wants to volunteer. We're looking for volunteers all the time. Um, and the volunteer gets basic training. She's not a professional. She becomes a good friend, a support system to the family. Once she's, she speaks to the family two or three times a week, sees how it's going, and really the chizuk, the support, just knowing there's someone there that gets you and that gets what's going on makes the world of difference to these families. Then we have other programs. If the volunteer feels they're necessary for a big sister or a, or a homework helper, we have other programs that we provide, but it's really basic support. My question to you is, Dr. Friedman, do you find that, what I, do you find that people wait much too long to reach out for support? I find that a very good day in Confesega is a day when I get a young couple in with one or two kids and their family's relatively young and they reach out for help versus, and I tell them, you don't know, you don't know what a gift you're giving your family and your shalom bias and your future versus if you wait so many years and you don't talk to anyone about it and you don't reach out for help, the complications are that much greater. There's a spouse that's struggling with mental illness. There's the other spouse who's trying to be as being a single parent because and and the support system for the unwell spouse and then there's a bunch of children that you know are are, are suffering and struggling do you find that people are resistant to reach out for help and why do you think that's the case so uh that is a really really good question but before we give an answer i just want to say you are doing such good stuff. The program that you have is a model for every community. Uh, the fact that there are other communities uh, that don't have their own version of Confefega is tragic. Uh, this is a grassroots support network that has ATSIS from Rabbanim, that has ATSIS from mental health professionals. You are out there uh, preventing divorce, preventing hospitalizations, getting people back on track, and uh, wow, you're Thank doing you. it. And it's, and it's you, not that complicated. Anyone that wants to join our volunteers, we welcome you. Go ahead. I would, I would just also encourage folks that want to bring a similar program to their community to, to reach out to your admin staff to, to think about how uh, well, it hasn't been easy. I think you've had a lot of siyata deshamaya because uh, you're out there trying to help folks. So uh, I also want to thank you. Confei uh, Fega was uh, instrumental in supporting a, a project uh, that I was involved in over the past few years, writing a kid's book explaining uh, the challenges of mental health uh, for uh, young kids. So that way they have... Uh, an understanding and a safe place to discuss how hard it is when somebody in the family is experiencing a, a mental health challenge. So I appreciate your support on that project. And uh, uh, whenever you need me, I'm happy to, to support all the great work that Thank you're you. doing. Um, the question is, do we wait too long? And the answer is, of course. Um, here's an interesting statistic. The average person with OCD uh, will wait well over a year and a half before they seek any professional uh, treatment whatsoever. Uh, 
Uh, here's another statistic. The greatest uh, predictive factor for how a person will respond to treatment for schizophrenia is the amount of time that it takes. So if a person has been experiencing symptoms of psychosis, hallucinations, delusions for a month, two months, three months, they're much more likely to avoid hospitalizations, to be a functional member of society, to live independently, to get married, to have a career. Whereas if a person waits for a year before getting help, uh, there's so much neurological damage done that uh, the chances of them living independently of working, of having a family are significantly less. So it's so important to get help in a timely fashion. You know, an ounce of prevention, uh, Lord, it's fantastic. Uh, what can happen when we intervene in an early state? We prevent hospitalizations, we prevent divorce, uh, we prevent uh, uh, addiction from going from one generation to the next. And uh, I think I always give the muscle of the Grand Canyon. If you park your car and you uh, go out to the edge of the Grand Canyon. It's a 15-minute walk, and you snap your pictures, and it's a 15-minute walk back to your car. If you hike down into the Grand Canyon for an hour, and you want to walk back to your car, it takes about two hours, because uh, now you're going uphill. If you uh, hike all the way in, uh, you got to spend the night, and it's going to take days to get out. So the longer we descend and the more time that we spend suffering, the harder it is to get out. And people are more likely to uh, need more intensive therapies, uh, to need more medications, uh, different types of medications. And uh, it leaves scars on families uh, and on marriages. So uh, earlier intervention is uh, about saving families and saving lives. Is the reason I, I yeah I would love to um, put in one more thought if you're asking how do we support families what I'd love to make, to ask the the item out there is that if anyone does speak to you and confides in you that they're going through a depressive state or a difficult time or they're finding themselves not enjoying life anymore or their spouses please encourage them to call relief to make one appointment with a therapist just to check if there's a problem. So many times we hear, oh, we suspected it was a problem. My mother said it was just this, and my father said it was just that, and my sister said it, no, just, just do some more exercise or eat healthier or get some more sleep. And unfortunately, they go without help for so long. So um, I think that's in addition to obviously all the um, practical help that you can give to a loved one. Um, you couldn't have said it better. We had one woman that walked in and said she had a neighbor whose child had cancer, Lailenu. And she watched how the suppers brought in homework helpers and support. And her husband was hospitalized for a psychiatric episode. She was all alone. She needed every one of those, um, those support system and those, that help. And she said, given that there's just so much shame, as much as we've come so far in the, in the from world to acknowledge mental health issues, but there's shame involved. I'm not going to the corner when I wait for the bus and telling them my husband hasn't been home for six weeks and I need help. So, um, you know, all that practical help that you would give to a loved one when they're hospital diagnosed with a physical illness is the same kind of help that the families that are going through mental illness struggles are, are needing. I can't overstate all of the good work that you do. Uh, the chesed that you're doing there is immense. Thank you. Thank you. So how do, we, how do we make it a little bit easier? Because people, neighbors are not sure if they'll appreciate. I'm nervous. Can you see?
it's something that they're, um, you know, the neighbors are struggling. Should they send things over? Some people actually, um, we had it on the, on the past show. Somebody mentioned that they, they did not like everything they got. They felt like a chesed case. But the, re the real question is, how do we open this up to make it easier for neighbors? Again, the family themselves is not going out there and saying, you know, I need help, I need help. The neighbors are not sure if, if they'll feel comfortable sending something. So how do we make this a little bit? Great, great question, uh, Coach Menachem. I, I think that uh, one thing that needs to happen is that uh, the rub of the shul, the rub of the community, the Rebbitzin of the street, uh, the fellow who's the uh, macher in the community needs to have his finger on the pulse. And it's really the achrayas of uh, the rov to take care of his community. And it's the achrayas of the Rebbitzin to know what's going on with the women. And when community leaders have these relationships uh, with mental health professionals, to ask questions, um, it allows them to have a better understanding of how to do these interventions and how to go over to the house. And similar to uh, when the rove of the shul might approach the father and say, listen, I see that your kid is struggling with his Yiddishkeit. Um, it's important for the rove of the shul to approach uh, the parents and say, I see that your kid is uh, struggling with getting along with other kids. I see that your kid uh, looks like he's uh, struggling with a mental health issue and I wanna help. And uh, yes, there is a lot of stigma. So things need to be done discreetly. Um, but uh, this is a very, very important thing uh, that needs to happen. And uh, I, I think that also, uh, if you're embarrassed to go over and help, you can do it through an organization like a Confe Fega or through uh, the Beaker Holy. And nobody wants to be a Chesed case, uh, but nobody also wants to have their kids go hungry because mom's in the hospital. And uh, we should respect in and not judge when people have tough responses, but things can be done anonymously. You can drop an envelope under the door at three in the morning uh, when you wake up to do a, a Coach Menachem Shear across the world. Uh, you know, you can uh, just order pizza and have it delivered and paid for. Um, you can drop off a Kugel and just say, hey, I like to drop off a Kugel to the neighbors from time to time. And, you know, people know what's going on. And uh, we have to be Yotzi. Um, can I give a little drusha? Is that okay? Um, here you go. So, uh, you know, we had Parsha Shoiftim and we end Parsha Shoiftim with the Egla Arufa. And, you know, the uh, Zakanim of the city have to go out when they find a, a dead body in the field and say, uh, You know, we didn't see what was happening uh, to this guy, and, you know, we tried our best to prevent it. Uh, this wasn't us. Um, now, Obviously, Prashad is, you know, did we really think that uh, these Zakanim were just out chopping people to pieces in the middle of the field outside of the Tehum? And the answer is no. But what they're saying is, is that 
you know, we didn't know that there was somebody who was traveling alone uh, in the dark and didn't know where he was going, or we would have given him instructions. We didn't know that there was a hungry person or we would have fed him. Um, and that's what we've got to do uh, in our community. You know, unfortunately, some people are going to refuse help when they need it, but we have to say, you know, I tried my best to help this person. You can't save everybody, but you can try. Um, and I, I think that's what Egla Rufa teaches us, which is uh, that you have to go to bed and say, I tried my best to help these people. And, you know, if they weren't willing to accept my help, that's okay. You know, but I tried. And that's something... Uh, you know, that I heard from Irosh uh, Kolo said uh, in the name of Israel, Blachsvogel, you know, because we're in Lakewood, uh, at least virtually here, uh, is that, you know, Eglo Rufa is uh, the mitzvah of Kol Yisrael Aradim Zelizeh. You know, every Jew is responsible for every other Jew. And, you know, we got to do our best to try and help. Um, it's starting to get light outside. So I'm going to run to Nate's at some point pretty soon, and I'm going to run to the facilities yeah, before that. We go one more question. Give me like a time you need to end by. I got a question. How is the Hasana? I'm sorry I missed it. Uh, <laughs> next time you got to fly me in for, for the Simcha, and I want business class because I'm tall. Wow. Okay. Definitely. Gonna, I'll speak to Campiona about it. Uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what time? What time do you? What time do we need to end? I got about uh, three point four six minutes left to go. Let's let's go to closing because I had a bunch of other questions. So we need more time with you, Doctor Freeman. Uh, I'll okay. come back. Unfortunately, for all the people that I wanted to ask live, and I had there was a lot of very important questions. Doctor Freeman, Davin's Nate's every day, so we got to end. Um, we got a little more time. I think we start early, but let's roll into the closing. Then we'll leave a closing statement. Again, I got to Dr. Freeman for coming on, giving physics. We had so much more to talk about. So you definitely got to come back again. And again, tonight's share is 115. Thank you for joining, being part of it. If anybody wants to join the WhatsApp, WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Go to menachemberfel.com. Next Sunday, Mitzvah, September 11th, will be world-famous motivational speaker, teacher, works with teenagers from Cleveland, Rabbi Yossi Ben Chushan, also writes articles in Shabbat Magazine. The topic is a call to action, why we desperately need to change ourselves and our clinical approach in today's, for today's children. Um, please tell everybody to join again tonight. Share is 115. You could have any questions, you can go email coachmanacom at gmail.com. If anybody wants to get a hold of Dr. Jacob, your, your website is drjacobfriedman.com with an L in the middle, like Lab. right? drjacoblfriedman.com. If you want to get in touch with him, um, again, I want to thank all the advertising sponsors. I'm just going to wrap it up that we 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 touched one Nakuda about being there for other people, but there was so much more detail that we need to get into. So much, um, Rabbi Friedman, we'll come back. Coach Menachem, closing, and then uh, let Rabbi Friedman wrap it up. Yeah, first of all, thank you very much. And I do want to encourage all the questions people sent in. They should send an email to me, coachmenachem.gmail.com, or to Dr. Jacob Friedman, so we can continue with this um, discussion. So thank you for that. Okay, Dr. Friedman, just leave us with a few words before we go a little chizik, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I, I think that it's a tremendous success to be here with you because you guys are doers. 
And I think we heard from Mrs. Rosenfeld uh, who had an idea about helping people in the community. And now she has this organization that has scores of volunteers helping, uh, I'm sure well over a hundred families. Uh, and this is saving lives because uh, heaven forbid, as we discussed in the beginning, you know, every community has lost a young individual to suicide. Every community has seen people hospitalized against their will. When we're out there supporting people, especially in a proactive way, uh, we are changing the course uh, of what's happening uh, in the families within our community. And I'm grateful to be a part of this. What, what can I say? Uh, you know, uh, you guys are bringing on fantastic people. Uh, and in general, you're not promoting reckless psychedelic drug use. So that's good stuff. Uh, not a dig at any individual. Um, but uh, I, I'm grateful. What can I say? When I know that you guys are on the same team with me, you know, uh, we got a lot of doers out there. And I think in Yer Tashem, we'll go to bed and we'll say, uh, we tried and hopefully we should be successful. In the end, you know, all we can do is uh, our shtadlis and it's up to the Abishter to make it happen. So I'm wishing everybody a good Yor, a Shana Toiva. And uh, please, if I can ever be helpful, you just let me know. Beautiful, Dr. Jacob. Thank you so much for giving us your time. And uh, see everybody next week. Same time, same place. for Yossi Ben Shushan. Good night to everybody else. And to Dr. Friedman, good morning. Thank you, Zen. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.